Hello, everybody, and welcome to The Raw and the Cooked, your home for cooking inspiration plus raw and honest book reviews. Episodes alternate between my two passions, maintaining a simple and efficiently run kitchen and keeping up with this year's hottest books. I hope after each episode, you take away a new idea for your kitchen or a new book recommendation. I'm your host, Dara Boxer, and I'm so glad you're here. Welcome to episode 10, which is extra sweet because we have introduction music. Yes, I finally got around to it. This podcast is starting to feel official and I'm absolutely here for it. What do you guys think? Uh, So lately, my son who turned one in June has been napping a glorious three hours after lunch. And I spent that entire time one day last week dedicated to this introduction and it was so worth it, right? So before we get started with today's topic, I wanted to tell you about my two-year-old daughter's newest book. We bought it at the Missouri History Museum gift shop, which also, by the way, has the most amazing play space for kids. Um, Anyway, so this book is called Who Moved My Gooey Butter Cake by Ryan Nichols, and we've read it approximately 500 times so far. And it combines our love of books and buttery desserts and St. Louis. It's a really cute story about a girl and her dog who go on a frantic search all around St. Louis to find out where that last piece of gooey butter cake that their mom made went. Uh, so they hit all of the hot spots around the city and end up having a really grand day. And it's just so cute. And of course, it led me to research gooey butter cake, which is definitely like a St. Louis regional dessert. Everyone goes crazy for it. Um, I had one last year when we first moved here, although it was like the topping of a donut. So I, I can't officially say that I have ever had a gooey butter cake, but of course, after reading this book so many times, I went out to one of our local bakeries, picked some up and it's delicious. So And I'm going to give you the backstory on gooey butter cake because you're probably like, like, what is that? So it was originally created here again in St. Louis, uh, somewhat of a happy accident, a German baker, German American baker got the proportions of butter and flour wrong. Whoops. (laughs) But because it was the 1930s and ingredients were hard to come by because of the great depression. So instead of throwing out the cake, they decided to just go for it and sell it. And to their like complete surprise, it ended up being a really big hit. Um, so much so that other bakeries started selling gooey butter cake as well. It's definitely a regional favorite as it never really caught on in other cities because like it really does look like a gooey disaster, but it's really good. Um, it just think of like butter and sugar and that's basically just gooey butter cake. And Paula Dean actually, uh, she like has her own version. I think it's hers is called like ooey gooey butter cake because homegirl loves her butter. Um, so if, if you've ever kind of heard of it, that's probably where you've heard it from. So yeah. Anyway, for those who aren't local to St. Louis or who have never even stepped foot inside the city, thanks for bearing with me and listening to that story. Um, and now for our episode. Today, we're talking about refrigerators and how to stock it like a pro. You know, the staple ingredients that'll allow you to whip up almost anything on a whim. And keep in mind that if you don't like or eat some of the things I'm about to list, just skip it. You know, buy what works for you and your family and use today's episode as a guide. And as always, I'm going to put a list in the show notes for you so you can refer back to it at any time. Okay. So starting with the rider dies and these nine items are always, always, always in my fridge butter, no fewer than two pounds of butter in my fridge at any given time, 
tomato paste, garlic, and I actually buy bags of peeled garlic from Trader Joe's because I'm just too lazy to peel my own garlic. And that's definitely like my lazy girl hack. Um, I always have a jar of capers, vegetable or chicken broth, whole milk, and heavy cream. I change up my herbs, um, but you can always find parsley in my fridge. Um, and I, I also like to buy rosemary and thyme and usually cilantro, just depending on what I'm making. And I did start a super small herb garden, which has parsley and rosemary, basil, thyme, and chives. It's been so fun. I love needing like just a small handful of parsley and going out and just like snipping it with my garden shears. It's been just so great. And I used to buy those like $2 cartons of um, like chives or whatever, but I would only find myself using like a small handful and then the rest would just go bad before I could use them. And it always just felt so wasteful. So it's really fun to like grow it, have it right there and like only take what I need and know that it's like not going to die. And again, like not like spending money on herbs that I could just like easily grow myself anyway. Um, so because I make a ton of soups and sauces, um, the, these ingredients, the ones I had just listed are like absolutely key. Um, and also a bottle of white cooking wine can always be found in my fridge. Um, two buck Chuck from Trader Joe's is my favorite. And just a quick note on cooking wine. A lot of people think that you can just use whatever terrible cheap wine you have, but the rule of thumb is that you should like or enjoy the wine enough that you'd happily have a glass of it. If it were served to you at a restaurant or even just have a glass of it while you're cooking. Um, and for me, two buck Chuck, uh, from Trader Joe's totally meets that. Um, and bonus it's $2. So my husband and I just buy them by the case. And also I'm going to list lemons, ginger, avocados, onions, and shallots. Oh my God. Yes. To the shallots. Um, and you can absolutely store them in the fridge. Um, in fact, keeping lemons in the fridge makes them last longer. And even avocados, like if you buy them when they're like really hard, you can let them ripen on your counter. And once they're ripe, you can just like pop them in the fridge and they'll last a little bit longer. Um, but because I go through onions and shallots and, um, lemons just so quickly, I just keep mine on a bowl on the counter. Um, so, but I'm still adding them to this list because most people keep them in the fridge and moving on. So we always have eggs because my kids eat a ton of it. I love having them on hand for baking. Um, we have blocks of Parmesan cheese that we grate up for almost anything. And then of course, um, a bag of shredded Mexican cheese blend because around here, my husband and two-year-old daughter love making cheese crisps. We always have Greek yogurt on hand, which can also substitute well for sour cream. Um, and it's just really good to bake with. Um, of course, carrots, celery, and maple syrup tahini for hummus, mayonnaise, Dijon mustard, and Kalamata olives. And I always, always have carrots and celery because again, like paired with onions, that's like basically your starter for almost any soup that you make. So just having them on hand is just so great. And I will say that I clean out my fridge every Sunday night or Monday morning, and I like to keep it as organized as possible. Like each shelf has a theme. And of course, no one asked, but I'm going to give you a tour of our refrigerator. Um, so just to just briefly describe the layout of it, it's a French door fridge. So like a right and left pole with three shelves that run the entire width, plus a produce and a meat drawer at the bottom. Um, and in between the fridge and the freezer, we have like a bonus drawer that pulls out and acts as an extra space for the fridge. And I think we can also turn it into like additional freezer space, but A, I don't know how, and B, I like it as um, like a bonus fridge space. 
Okay. So starting with the top left shelf, I have a ceramic egg holder that can fit up to 18 eggs stacked and we go through a ton of eggs. So it's very helpful. Um, and also I don't like, like the look of a carton in the fridge, which is like a small pet peeve of mine. Anyway, I also keep yogurts and sippy cups and bottles for the kids up there. And then at the top right, hold any grains that I make throughout the week, like rice, quinoa, couscous, whatever. And I usually make a batch of homemade hummus, uh, which lives up there too, as well as my tofu. And a lot of times I'll make myself a homemade guacamole, uh, depending on how much cilantro or if I have any jalapenos on hand. So all of that lives uh, at the very top shelf. And I consider my top shelf like my breakfast shelf because I ha I usually have a grain bowl in the morning um, and the kids eat eggs and whatever. So the middle shelf, um, on the middle left, I have a plastic container that holds up to 12 cans. So that's where the cans of sparkling water live. And I keep any soup of the week that I made next to the sparkling water or any dinner leftovers that I'd like to rotate through for lunch. So that way, like anything gets eaten up, like everything gets eaten up by Sunday because you guys know that I despise food waste. Um, so if I see like, if we have like a ton of like, let's say leftover pasta from like two nights ago, uh, it's not quite enough for dinner. Like someone will eat it for lunch. So I like move it up to the middle shelf. Um, so the middle shelf, the middle right shelf has one of those mats that allows you to organize beer bottles. So you can hold up to 12 cans, like, or sorry, 12, like beer bottles stacked, um, which is awesome. And it like the refrigerator, the depth is pretty intense. So we can like have 12 beer bottles and then still keep Pyrex containers in front of them. So, um, in front of the beer, I usually keep like a Pyrex container of like cilantro or parsley that was minced up earlier in the week for meal planning, um, meal prepping, uh, plus mixed greens or buttered lettuce or like whatever lettuce I'm using that week for salads. And then I usually have a Pyrex container of already cut up cucumbers and avocados, tomatoes, just like whatever. And the bottom left shelf is just a huge mess of jars and containers applesauce, harissa, pickles, salsa, olives, like three different types of jam, ketchup, and like random other bottles and jars. Basically just like anything that like doesn't have a home in my fridge lives there. Um, and also I think like we have cream cheese down there too. Um, I actually need to organize that a little bit better because I'm not entirely sure what's like even in there. But anyway, the bottom right shelf holds uh, a loaf of bread because my husband and children go through like oh my God, three loaves of bread a week. It's kind of insane. I can like barely keep up with it. Um, and just anything that was prepared for dinner, um, maybe that's like a roasted veggie or some extra chicken that I cooked that's like ready to go for dinner. So like things that I know that I have like for dinner are like stacked and organized down there. And then, um, of course we have like a produce and a meat drawer. So, you know, uh, I'm sure you can guess what's in there. Um, the left drawer has our apples and clementines, peaches, pears, carrots, and celery. Um, sometimes avocados, if I have too many that I know I'm not going to use immediately. And then the right drawer is my cheese drawer where I also keep sliced deli turkey. And then, uh, the left door, cause like, you know, the refrigerator doors have shelves. Um, so we have on our left door, a top shelf, which is small enough to hold like pretty much nothing other than chocolate. Um, so it's just useless, but it's where I keep like dark chocolate bars. Um, and then the middle door shelf holds different types of maple syrup. I don't know why we have three different types of maple syrup, but we just do. And then the bottom door shelf on the left holds all the mustards because of course we have like seven different kinds. 
and then on our right door, um, the very top shelf is actually like one of those like really deep, um, I, I guess like a normal person would probably keep their eggs there, but that's where I hold all of my butter, unsalted of course, um, my garlic, capers, and tomato paste. And then the middle door shelf on the right holds my iced coffee, vanilla, coffee creamer, heavy cream, and buttermilk if I'm making donuts that week. Um, I, and usually I make my own buttermilk because it's like pretty easy. It's just like one tablespoon of lemon, like fresh squeezed lemon juice. And then like in the same cup, you just pour milk, like to make a full cup and then you just stir it. And like, that's pretty easy anyway. Um, and then the bottom left door shelf holds V8 orange juice, cow's milk, oat milk, and white cooking wine. And so, yeah, that's just kind of like a quick fridge door. Oh, and of course, our bonus fridge drawer under the main fridge doors above the freezer is where I keep extra bottles of coffee and raw meat that needs to be cooked for the week. And in a separate uh, like little area, because like there are three little divisions in that drawer, I keep uh, just like any veggies that need to be like roasted or sauteed. And so I kind of think of that drawer as like my holding space, like either just like extra coffee or extra, um, like meat, veggies, like whatever that like needs to be cooked. So yeah, cool little bonus drawer. Uh, so thanks to my, uh, refrigerator, it's just, you know, extra storage. And I don't go crazy, but I am a big believer in having an organized refrigerator as I just described, like what a mess of my, um, jars and condiments and whatever is, but, uh, I'm talking about like the food food, right? Cause like mainly I just like loathe food waste. And I think if you've been listening to this podcast or even like one or two episodes, like you, I'm sure you've heard me say that before. Um, so it takes like 60 seconds, a couple of times a week. And since I have a one-year-old and a two-year-old, I'm opening up the refrigerator approximately 500 times a day anyway. So I might as well just take that extra minute to rotate what's in there. Um, like just do what I need to do. And also just like put a part of putting together a comprehensive weekly meal plan at the beginning of the week includes finding out what unused or leftover ingredients you'd like to incorporate. And I think it's a lot easier to do when like everything has a home in your fridge, um, or things are easy to spot or anything that's like going bad or like a leftover container that's like, you know, thrown in the back somewhere, right? Like I just think having like a clean and organized and like streamlined refrigerator makes your life so much easier. Um, so yeah, I hope my fridge tour kind of gives you a sense of how I meal plan and prep, um, and rotate throughout the week. And I encourage you to go back and listen to episode two, which is all about creating a sustainable meal plan. If you haven't already listened. And then lastly, um, I mean, I guess that kind of wraps up my fridge tour, right? Like it's pretty, um, yeah, not that, not that complicated. Um, but anyway, uh, I just feel like with, like with those key ingredients that I just listed, you can make almost whatever on a whim, um, you know, unless you're cooking something like really specific that you need to run to the grocery store for. Um, for like ingredients that like no one would have on hand, right? But like having like your basics, like your butter, your garlic, your onions, your carrots, your celery, like just like staple things, like like everyone should have. And lastly, I'd like to end today's episode with a what am I reading segment. I finally finished 112263 by Stephen King, and I definitely liked it, but I'm left a little bit disappointed. Like I just had higher expectations for it. And don't get me wrong. Like the story was really interesting. It was well-written and it was like clearly well-researched, but 
it was just a bit boring at times. And I found myself like really wanting it to end more times than not. Um, I listened to it on audio. Um, it was, it was like a 30 hour audiobook, and I listened to it on speed, like 1.6, which shortened it to 22 hours. And the narrator was amazing. There was only one narrator the entire time. He did a fantastic job. He really did. But I just, I was really bored. And I like, even towards the end, I was like, how much faster can I listen to this book? So it's just like over quicker. And I was just really bored by the end of it. Um, a lot of times when I turn on my, well, actually every time I turn on my car, it connects to like my Bluetooth and it picks up like what I've last been listening to. And a lot of times I'll like rush over to my phone to like pause it. Cause like, I don't want to miss anything or like have to rewind. And I just found myself like, just like loading the kids, buckling them in, like going back to the stroller, slowly like bringing in the diaper bag and folding it up and just like not really caring that I was missing some of it. Like I was just really bored. And I think that's a really, like for me, I know that's like a bad sign of a book. I don't know what I want to give it. Like probably not three stars. I feel like that's like a little harsh, but anyway, I just, I don't know, like blah, I guess. So anyway, I just started The Unbearable Lightness of Being by Milan Kundera, and it is so beautiful and thoughtful, and I'm really enjoying it so far. I'm about like 70-something pages in. And yeah, that's it for today. Thank you guys so much for tuning in, and I'll see you back here next week.